continuous improvement comes in lots of different flavors and styles. I'm Bella Engelbach, and I'm inviting you to journey with me to the edges of lean. Episode 84, Continuous Improvement and the Artist Inside with Elizabeth Swan. Elizabeth Swan just wrote a book, which is not surprising because she's done it before, but this one is different. This time Elizabeth wrote and illustrated the book. In fact, the illustrations are what communicate the great ideas she is sharing. And Elizabeth, consultant, teacher, writer, is adding artist to her resume. Let's hear how that happened. Elizabeth Swan, welcome to the Edges of Lean, or should I say, the Elizabeth Swan. <laughs> welcome to the Edges of Lean. Uh, thank you, Bella, and props to Deandra Wardell, who christened me the Elizabeth Swan. I, I will never fight that, and uh, thank you so much for that honorific. <laughs> Well, it's really fun to have you here. And um, we were just chatting before we started recording and we were talking about the fact how we that we didn't do a pre-meet. Uh, for those of you who are listening to the podcast, most of the guests, we have a little meeting where we talk about how the podcast works and what it's all about. But I think Elizabeth and I have been pre-meeting for a couple of years, so we didn't <laughs> need to do that. Um, so forgive us, listeners, if you hear us drifting off into the chit-chat of, of good friends. <laughs> So Elizabeth, could you please um, introduce yourself to everybody? Because I know a lot of people know the Elizabeth Swan, but there may be some folks out there who just haven't had the pleasure yet. Uh, well, for those of you that do not know me, um, let's see, officially, I am the president of Swan Consulting and Associates. I'm co-founder of the Just In Time Cafe, uh, co-author of the Problem Solvers Toolkit, a surprisingly simple guide to your Lean Six Sigma journey. Um, I've just been in the Lean Six Sigma world for decades, either coaching or teaching or um, uh, running workshops, anything to do in that world for quite a long time. And um, uh, the journey there is sort of interesting. I think um, what really kicked off my diving into consulting was taking an improv workshop. I ended up performing with Improv Boston for a few years. And I remember thinking, well, if I can make stuff up on stage in front of strangers, in some cases it was thousands, um, well, what couldn't I do? Like, I could do this. I could start my own company. I could, you know. <laughs> so it kind of started there. But then I think improv weaves itself into everything I uh, in, in the in, uh, operational excellence world, right? It, you have to listen, you have to move the plot, right? So all those things make a difference in the stuff that we do. So anyway, that's my my odd uh, path there. Wow. So that's your, that was your path into consulting, but you, you've told me bef before that you have a, you know, a bit of a background in theater. What was your education? Um, education was just English major, right? I mean, I was English major. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, which to me means I'm a translator, right? So to teach someone else statistics, I'm like, well, this is a God awful subject. Let's make this, <laughs> let's break this down <laughs> into bites and language that uh, humans can not just understand, but enjoy. Right. So I think 
the two things that I pull from both theater and English are that translation and also stories, right? How do you turn this into a story that somebody would would want to hear, right? So those things influence all of the work that I do. Wow, but why why Lean Six Sigma then? I don't know too many English majors who have gone into Lean Six Sigma. So there's got to be a story there, Elizabeth. There is. There's the drive to uh, get it right. To you know, there whatever motivation uh, drives us. Mine has always been like, there's a better way, right? I mean, as a little kid, constantly you know seeing, oh, things aren't set up properly. You know, looking back, I realize, oh, I was you know, constantly correcting my parents' household. Well, it'd be much easier if you set this up this way. So I think problem solving was a constant. And I think the combination of, you know, really this world puts you in the, in the position of teacher. And I think I always enjoyed, you know, being in that position, trying to help others uh, learn something. Uh, performer, clearly that's part of it. Uh, translator. And then just the work itself is, to me, um, so satisfying. Like, you know, I can't find Christmas ornaments. Hey, I'll put them all in red and green bins in the attic. So that it's really easy when I go up there. Oh, Christmas ornaments. I got those. So that stuff just is, you know, personally appealing. I love that. And I, lo I love that talking about you know, being a translator, because I think that's one of the places where we in the biz fail, right? That we that we go into an organization and we go blah, 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 blah. Um, all of these funny Japanese words and concepts that we've spent a while, hopefully master, and then we come in and kind of spit them at people. And then, you know, you can get a very glazed expression on, on people's faces. And, and then frustration on our part, where we go, they just don't get it um uh, you know which is the same thing as you know when you go to another country and you don't speak the language and they just shout at you louder in that like in the other language <laughs> you know hoping that you must get it if we just shout louder so it's a kaizen it's a kaizen what is it that you don't get <laughs> yeah exactly everything yeah so you have a new book you've been working on so tell us about that um, yes. And, uh, you are a generous member of the editorial board. So you had a hand in it. Uh, as I've told you, I think I slashed a whole chapter on account of you. <laughs> um, but yes, I am working on a book. The, the title is picture yourself a leader. Um, and the, the book is a combination of basically all of the lessons I've learned or a lot of the major lessons I've learned in my decades in this industry. Um, you know, and there, there are moments, I call them kind of intangibles or there's these interstitial moments and they're not about whether you're using PDSA or DMAIC and that's plan, do, check, act and define, measure, analyze, improve and control for those who have not heard those acronyms. Um, it's the ones where you're a flawed human being, you know, trying to be your best self, or I'm a flawed human being, right? Trying to be my best self. So I, I wanted to share those lessons. And, um, and along the way, a colleague, Karen Ross, kind of 
I don't know if it was a dare or a command, but that I illustrate them because she saw it. I would always doodle uh, when I was uh, working on things. And she said, you should illustrate those. So I started putting what I call doodles until another colleague of ours, Gemma Jones, demanded that I refer to them as drawings. But bottom line, it just made it more fun for me. So, <laughs> so the book source is just me posting weekly one of these stories and illustrating it and then asking people the question that I dealt with, a question about kind of the, the lesson I learned or asking other people what they do about this particular issue, this intangible kind of soft skill thing we deal with. And then people all chimed in with all kinds of stories and helpful techniques, uh, different ways to frame it, uh, really a, an incredible mix. So the book also contains what I call the wisdom of the crowd. And so there are three quotes in each chapter. Chapters are just these short stories, the picture, the wisdom of the crowd, kind of some reflections after having taken in all of this, uh, these comments, and then some a question for the reader, right? Like we deal with experimentation. Like you've heard all this, this may have happened to you. If it did, do you want to experiment? What would, how, what would you try? You know, and sort of giving it to the reader to, to try it out. So that's the, that's kind of the little of the background and the, and the layout premise. So I remember when you started doing that on LinkedIn and putting these, these little posts up and it was, it was really interesting to see people's reaction, right? Because it wasn't always, I mean, you've got a lot of, because you are a, a wise person, Elizabeth, you've got a lot of, oh yeah, that's true. That's happened to me. But sometimes you've got some, oh, I have a very different perspective as well. So it was very, um, it was it was very sort of true to the way the world really is. Were you surprised by the kinds of comments you got on the on the LinkedIn posts? I was surprised by the both the comments. I mean, some of them weren't as surprising, but some of them were surprising and also educating. Like you said, like, um, you know, if I said, you know, what have you learned from failure? There's a whole piece on kind of my, the first time I truly, truly bombed. And, you know, what I took away and it, and it, the comments shifted my thinking because one of them, you know, so many comments were about, you know, I forgot who said it. It's I, I haven't, I've either, either I've succeeded or I've learned and I've, correctly quoted that person in the book, just so any, if anyone's concerned, um, just having a, a brain lapse now, but, and so much about that, that it was really a strong reframe around, you know, doing that for yourself. I mean, Karen Ross was like, I don't even use that word. I don't even use the word failure. So I was like, you know, fair enough. And I, expe I expected her to always come back <laughs> with the unexpected. The other thing that surprised me was the sheer volume of of people that chimed in and had something to say about these things that clearly people these resonated these were moments for other people too and the other thing about failure i think that that struck me after i read all that was it's not just how you recover it's how other people treat you right so i realized there's two people that were pivotal in pulling me out of that moment one saying what you never bombed before let me tell you some stories like and just like made made me laugh. And then the client who was like, oh, well, we didn't set you up for success. All right. Here we're doing this. We're doing this and threw me right back in. 
So those things, you know, stuck with me. And so people often shifted my thinking about some of that stuff. And I included that, that sort of became part of what the book accomplished, which was really uh, collating, not just collating, but really absorbing that and saying, you know, here's, here's the take on this. Well, then when you put the book together, you were including not just the original post and the original drawing, but some of the feedback and um, yeah. And the learnings. And the learnings. Yeah. So it's like, it's, it's Elizabeth's book, but it's also the lean community on the internet's book as well, right? There's it is. And then that way I feel like it's improv, right? I really put it out there and there was a, a dance back and forth between all of us to really hash out this, this issue. And then the book kind of pulls together what we, what we kind of the skit that we pulled together, right? What did we create together? So it's-, so it's everyone, everyone was moving the plot forward. They were, they were, they were. Nobody, yeah, they, that's, that's a great way to say it. That's so cool. Do you have a, like, what's your very favorite chapter, Elizabeth? Oh dear. My favorite chapter right now is, um, uh, ignore the inner naysayers. And this came from a really good friend, uh, Ben Neiman, who wrote a book called Free the Genie. And one of the chapters was about stop the chattering monkeys. And that's what he called like what's in your head. And he would always, he would just get at me when he's like, oh, don't listen to the chattering monkeys. Like, just do it, just go do it. And I think, you know, he just, he recently passed. And I think about um, this book wouldn't have happened if I had not uh, ignored those inner naysayers, like the classic, this is uh, probably part of the population, not all the population, but, you know, if you're writing a book, the PCU questions, is anyone going to read this? Is anyone going to want to read this? And he would just say, yeah, what, whatever, you need to write this, like, get that out. So don't even listen to that. And um I got a great quote from uh, one of the contributors on LinkedIn. Uh, and she said, every time I've listened to that, you know, that the chattering monkeys, I've regretted it. And I look back on the things where I went, I got this and ignored them. Those are some of the proudest things I've done, you know, and just, and she said, so uh, how I deal with it is just remind myself, remember you did this, this, and this. And you were everything about it said no, but you went ahead and did it and look how proud you are. So right now, that's just like kind of a sitting, sitting large for me. I, that encapsulates for you writing the book and getting out there as because you've written a book before. I mean, that's not that's not a new act, new thing for you to do. But writing a book that you've illustrated. Yeah, what there must have been some monkeys uh, yipping at you about that it was a lot of monkeys like you know like I uh a chat a, a whole section I removed because I've got artists in my family right I've got oh my father was a sculptor and taught at the Museum of Fine Arts in Boston my mother is an accomplished painter and has things in museums and has painted my brother-in-law has things in museum my sister was a ceramics teacher she's got things in uh, ceramic shows I mean there's no end of artists in my family uh, my brought my uh, father-in-law, my, my stepfather, uh, illustrated a 
two cookbooks and he's a phenomenal illustrator. So to, to sort of sit back and go, oh, you know, mine are kind of a combination of what I learned in school, which is called contour drawing mm -hmm. and cartoon. And, and I think when I think about some of the um, illustrations I see out there in the lean community, they often kind of are devoid of a face, right? There's no eyes, there's no expression. And, and I want the baseball my, cap, right? It's the baseball cap guy. Yeah, it's these stick figures, baseball cap, or just a circle with kind of some shadowing. And I'm like, no, I want to know that this person is looking aghast or looking like scared or looking angry because those are the thing we don't talk about in business that is there, whether we talk about it or not, is all the emotion. You know, the times people just piss you off, frustrate you, the times you are humiliated, you know, all those things like, we just don't deal with that. And these illustrations bring it front and center, like this is how people are feeling in this situation. And I think in illustrations or imagery, we translate those 60,000 times faster than text, right? Our brains wow. are wired for imagery. It goes back to like just being able to see a tiger before it sees you, <laughs> you know, but, but text, we actually, the process is we've created symbols. Our brain sees the symbol, each letter is a symbol. We take each symbol in until we get a word and then we translate the word. And that we do it fast, but that's the process. And we never do anything but that process our entire lives, regardless how fast we do it. So images almost instantaneous. So I think that combination of the image uh, and the story, right? So stories are different too. Stories are, um, I like this quote, data with soul, right? So just bringing someone into your experience. And they did studies on um, neuroimaging. And when someone's telling you a story, the same parts of their brain that are lighting up are lighting up in your brain. So you're kind of experiencing what they're talking about as they're talking about it. So you have, you, it's like you get a shared experience and you've probably done this in workshops and things like that. When, when I ask people at the end, what, you know, what did you get the most out of? They'll always go, oh, the stories, <laughs> all the stories you told. It's like, ah, so we're storytellers. Yeah. Humans are storytellers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what, I, what I've heard is that the story is the basic unit of human memory, right? You know, when you when you read a story to a three-year-old and you've read it two or three times and you get a word or two wrong, they will tell you. They remember the whole story, every every detail, all of it. They can, as you know, they can't read, but they can read that story themselves if you hand them the book. Uh, you know, so stories are so powerful. And I love in your illustrations, Elizabeth, I'm so excited for the rest of the world to, you know, to see this all put together in the book, that it's populated by a variety of people. Like mm. it's not, it's not just the amorphous, agenda stick figure baseball cap. Person. It isn't, it isn't. And I realized at a certain point, like, you know, I draw myself, like I'm the one doing this. And then I thought, okay, it can't always be me. Has to be some guys in here. And then, you know, sometimes I'd think, well, I'd draw the people that were in that story. And then I'd say, well, what if this could be anybody, you know, because you and I are part of a group, um, uh, BIPOC ANA, which is uh, Black, Indigenous, people of color, and allies and accomplices. And it's made me more aware 
of my part to play in this world. Like, so who am I inviting on podcasts? Who am I inviting to come deliver a webinar? So I'm way more conscious and that made me conscious of it in my drawing. And I actually had to like check with Deandra. I'm like, okay, does this look like how a woman of color might wear her hair? Like, I'm, I'm just like, I'm trying to like play with this. Like, could this be interpreted? So she, sometimes she'd say, yeah, I'm not seeing it. This this looks like a white person to me. But I, I, so I was like, really? <laughs> just, just, just shaded the skin a little darker. I was like, but, just... but I don't have any shading anywhere. So I, all I was left with was, okay, I got, I got how I dress them. So that's maybe male, female, maybe ambiguous, which is also fair. And then, you know, well, hair. How, what am I doing with the hair? And that's just kind of fun too. Like, well, you know, for myself, like, well, this person's going to have a crazy do. So let's just go with it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, another place and, for diversity. And, and the little, the little, the little Elizabeths in the book—they do look like you. So nice <laughs> self-portraits in there. You know, it's easy for me. I got the glasses, so those are one way to constantly like <laughs> identify. Just, just, just be Elizabeth. So, so this book is coming out when? This is coming out April twenty-first. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. A spring birthday. Yeah. It's a good way to sort of, it's once we get through what we call on the Cape, uh, February and March are become farch, right? It's just this endless gray rain, like, and the April it's like, okay, we're done with that. It's time for new things. Flowers are coming up. Books are coming out. Yeah. And so, and so for those of you who wonder, the Cape you're talking about is Cape Cod. Cape Cod. Sorry. Yes. Yeah which is a very nice place to live, at least part of the year, part of the year. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. So, so what's going on with the Just In Time Cafe? You've had some really cool shows recently. Um, and so you, it sounds like you, you're, um, what, what are you working on with that? So right now it's, um, we've got uh, Jennifer Tanka now. Uh, let's see, that's going to be our, February, no, January, right? So that's happening um, uh, in January. And that's about how we communicate. So just the issues around, you've got corporate communications going out, and then you've got people being problem solvers and trying to, you know, transform a company. Are you, are you in alignment, like right, what you're saying to the, to people in memos? And, you know, are you living your mission? Like, you know, just how the way we don't always look at the way we're communicating with people. What are they hearing? What are they taking in? What do you want people to hear and take in? So just thinking about that, so you can address that. And then Kim Crowder is going to come and address, yeah, uh, using uh, kind of continuous improvement. And she is an expert on diversity, equity, and inclusion. And she took, uh, Tracy and I have a Lean Six Sigma leader class at UC San Diego. And uh, she went through that because she wants to apply that, you know, to the, the diversity, equity, inclusion world. So she's going to bring us what she's learned now, right? Because she's been at this for a while. Um, so we're going to talk about how to apply that. Oh, that's that going to be really very interesting. Yeah. And that's, a, it's, a, it's such an uh, important new way that uh, lean and continuous improvement is being used right so Giandra is doing uh kata work with um with people on diversity and inclusion um chris chapman there's a lot of people joy are, mason joy mason has yeah, a joy, whole yeah 
yeah. academy working to get uh, people of color trained up in Lean Six Sigma. And I feel like, like, as you say, it's, it, you know, we talk about systemic racism, it's a system. So co corporations are made of systems. How do you impact those systems, right? So how are you hiring? You know, what's the, what's the process and what are the results, you know, and just looking at those metrics and how you, how you're doing that and what, is, what are you, how much diversity you're achieving. That's yeah. It's, it's the, it's the next, the next step or the current. Yeah. It's, it's where uh, lean and continuous improvement and six Sigma are going and where, you know, we, I think that and, and climate change are two places where the work that we do can make a really positive difference for the future of the world. It's huge. It's huge. Yeah. I live near a big scientific community and they're starting to combine with the radio station to get their stories out. So I just think that, you know, like I, I'm thinking, oh, good. This is like pulling more it's stories, right? Once again, that's the uh -huh. language we speak. So yeah, yeah. Those, those efforts. Yeah. 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 So what, what else, what else do, do you see sort of coming down the pike? What's your what what are your thoughts about about where this community goes? You're such a it's such an important part of this world. Um, thank you, Bella. So I've been mindful of late of just the layoffs that are happening, and mm. just watching that happen, and watching a lot more folks show up. You know, look looking for work or open to work. And I'm thinking about a colleague of mine, and she is at Salesforce. And Salesforce just announced we're reducing 10% um, of our employees. And they said, basically, we overhired, right? During the pandemic, we went too crazy, we overhired. And uh, she has what they call a NRG role, a non-revenue generating role. So those are obviously some of the first and on the chopping block. And she was told, yeah, your, your job's being eliminated, but don't worry, we're going to pull you somewhere else in the firm. And I thought, she's someone who's going to survive this. And why? And I think about, you know, what she's like, you know, and I think about all the stuff we've been talking about, right? In, in the book, it's about listening, um, forwarding the plot. It's about community. It's about how you treat other people. Um, she's really good at those intangibles. She's great at building consensus, at really listening to other human beings, at pulling teams together. And I feel like it's these, it's these intangible skills that make people want to work with you. Like if I think back to improv, what made a good improviser was someone you wanted to be on stage with. Right. If you think about, oh, good improvisers, they're the funny ones. It's like, no, they're the ones you want to be on stage with because they listened to you. They were building a scene with you. They were taking the plot. You know, if they were up there just trying to be funny, it was like, yeah, be a gag, get a laugh. And then there's nowhere to go with the scene. So I think about think about that for yourself. Do people want to be on stage with you? Right. Do people want to work with you? Do people want to be on a team with you? Like those are the things that make us so valuable it isn't just our hard skills you know and obviously you got to be a hard worker you got to be good at something right you got to be a reason that someone wants to pull you in but then it's the intangibles that make a difference so just remember that I, but, but i think that's really critical 
Well, we talk about like, why should people learn, you know, something like lean? Why should you learn lean? Why should you learn the improvement cutter? Why should you learn Six Sigma? And, you know, yes, you can learn the tools, right? But that the things that you learn in learning to work with a group or to lead through those changes are some of those intangible things, Yeah. right? Right. The point where you are about to make a change and everybody's terrified to make the change. Yeah. You know, if you can be the positive force in the room, um, that's going to make a difference. And and I think that's, you know, that's the kind of intangible that people can gain from learning um, lean, continuous improvement, six sigma. Um, but so not true. just learning it as a, you know, here's a, here's a bunch of tools to learn, but how do I, how do I use these to generate positive change? And then what needs to happen that's, you know, that's not tool-based to move yeah. that change forward. No, you make me think about when I get people, you know, when I'm teaching people and I'm saying, okay, now you got to go do your gamble walk, right? And for people unfamiliar, that means you got to go into where the work is happening, right? If and I'm dealing a lot with hospitals right now, it's like, you got to go into the facility, got to go into the clinic and you got to watch, how does this work? You know, if you're looking at, and you got to talk to people, right? You've got to interview people and, and you know, how are the, how's it going for them? And they come back, sometimes they come back and go, this actually isn't a problem, but I learned a different problem, <laughs> you know? And they are always shocked at how much they learned and, they make connections they never had before. And now they have like a new colleague and a new connection. And like you said, when it comes down to change, it's like, well, well they're interested because I talked to them and I use what they said to understand what this process is all about. So that stuff just is, yeah, you got to learn how to do all of that, not just, you know, get the data, but, you know, give yeah. it some soul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I learned so much about facilitation when I learned how to be a trainer, right? So that for me, that was my big breakthrough. Um, I went, had did a stand-up training course, got videotaped, all of that horrible stuff. Mm. And I had to learn to manage a room. And oh my goodness, that was um, that was probably one of the most significant trainings I ever had in my whole life. And it wasn't about, well, how do you design training? You know, that's stuff you could read in a book, but how yeah. do you do the people stuff? This is the work that, this is the stuff that makes you valuable. Yeah, you reminded me of controlling a room. I remember dealing with somebody just being difficult, like sticking with a question after I'd you know, taking it in and, you know, you tried, okay, I, what about this? What about this? What, and then finally just realizing there's a whole room of people ready to move on. This person is just being what I would call obstreperous. I can't say that to them, but so I, I used a, my grandmother's phrase. She would say, I'd, I've heard what you have to say and you might be right, but you're not. <laughs> <laughs> and it would just break the person up and we could move on, you know? So I just had that always in my pocket. I had grandma's little adage in case, you know, things got to a standstill. I love that. I love that. that that's a, that's, a, that's a great tip for everyone going forward when you've got Mr. <laughs> and Ms. Streppers in the room. Yeah, it's true. Wow. So Elizabeth, tell me about, um, about your, your life right now. So what, what you're in your consulting company, what's going on? Oh, let's see. Right now, I teach a lot of green belts at UC San Diego Health. So that's, so that's the other side of the country. Oh, yeah. So that's that all. 
that is all on Zoom. That's one of the advantages of the pandemic, right? Is that, um, you know, they had to stop in person and they went online and then suddenly, lo and behold, people enjoyed it. So that's taught me, number one, they have full day classes. So I was like, okay, we need to amp this baby up. There's gotta be a lot more breakouts, a lot more questioning, a lot more discussion. And actually people are engaged all day long and they do that, you know, that's four straight day, not straight, that's four weeks of training. And then it's, uh, there's coaching. And then they, I've got a presentation actually tomorrow of another 20 uh, students who have all these amazing projects and they do great stuff, right? They are helping patients. They're reducing, um, you know, people having to go back to the hospital, reducing pick lines, which are dangerous, uh, you know, that are being done unnecessarily, or they're reducing billing errors or how fast they get back to patients, right? And, and book them and get them in. So just making a huge impact in people's lives, which is always exciting to see. So that's, I do that. I do that also. I'm teaching people at UC, uh, University of Denver. Um, I do a lot of their IT people, which is a whole nother world, right? So uh, problem solving in the IT world. So now that's, I'm not dealing with a facility. This is all kind of happening in the wires, but they're, they're fantastic. And they're interested in doing a lot more. Um, also teaching uh, UC Davis uh, with their, um, uh, what is it? Their uh, pharmacists. Uh, so that's like an, another, another whole world. I'm also I've got clients I'm helping with digital transformation um, manufacturers that, you know, have grown by mergers and acquisitions. And now are like, we need to speak the same language. So trying to map out, okay, what are we doing? How do we go from purchase order to sales order? And why does it take, you know, 25 steps here and only takes three steps here and takes 140 here. Like, let's just uh, work out what's the best way to do this. And how are we doing it? Right. If we're doing it in Excel spreadsheets, isn't there a field in Oracle we could use? Because we're all we've all got Oracle. So just like that's one. Another one is a biotech firm that's trying to ramp up, right? We don't want to be mom and pop anymore. We want to just um, build to uh, stock because we're growing. And that's uh, another exciting thing. Um, helping people with strategic planning, the government of Port St. Lucie, Florida. Uh, that's really exciting because they want, they're trying to build their innovation team and they want to have impact, not just on Port St. Lucie, but they want to connect with small towns, you know, throughout the country. They're part of um, this whole initiative to spread innovation, right? If they're figuring out how to deal with flooding, they can help other small towns deal oh, with yeah. flooding. Right. So they're, they're problem solving and they're building an army of problem solvers and they're reaching out to the community to build community problem solvers and include them. So that's exciting work because they have big vision and they want to, you know, collaborate across um, the country. And that's just exciting to be involved with. So that's that's the few that I can think of right now. Anyway, I'm but, that, I'm a, but that's a, what, but that's just wonderful, Elizabeth. But because I mean, obviously, I mean, here's your former in English major, and you're working with nurses, you're working with pharmacists, you're working with IT people, you're working with the people running the port. I mean, and, and this shows you for those of you who are listening, and particularly if you're newer to um, to continuous improvement, there's so many places where where these approaches can be helpful right yeah. this is this is not just something this is not factory floor 
anymore. Hasn't been if, for a if long If an time. English major could figure this out, Bella, anyone can figure this out. This is not hard. <laughs> and draw some pictures about it. And draw some pictures. Yes, exactly. Yes. Make some, or as, as Gemma would tell you, you're going to make some drawings. Yes. Yes. More maturely yes. drawings. Yeah. So Elizabeth, you're working with a lot of young people. So what would be your one piece of advice for a young person starting out? I would tell them, engage. Culture is a contact sport. I feel like I hear so many times people say, oh, we couldn't do that here. The culture wouldn't allow it. Or, you know, that's just not how it, it culture becomes like capital C inanimate being right that that tamps things down and i'm like you're part of the culture right why don't you why don't you put something out there it, it, it's almost like uh well nobody gives anyone credit around here what if you gave somebody credit what if you started that right if you start that the person you're doing it to they're going to do it right you're part of the culture so don't ever let that be a stopping point for you engage I love that. I, that's such terrific advice. Thank you. Elizabeth, if people want to follow up with you on anything that you've talked about, I uh, want to find find out more about the book, what's the best way to reach you? Um, two places that are great. One is elizabethswan.com. I, I could get that uh, website because my name is spelled with an S. <laughs> my parents <laughs> got fancy. Um. And so elizabethswan.com, then everything about the book is there. Um, and then and updates and all that. And once you're on that mailing list, then you'll hear all about it. And the other one is LinkedIn. Again, Elizabeth Swan on LinkedIn with an S. Uh, and only can... Elizabeth Swan on LinkedIn, right? Yeah. And come join with me. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be. Yeah, the, the book will be coming out soon in April. And so, you know. It's woohoo. And say the name of the book for us one more time, please. One more time. It is Picture Yourself a Leader Illustrated Micro Lessons in Navigating Change. Thank you. Elizabeth Swan, thank you for traveling with me to the edges of Lean. Ah, thanks, Bella. This is Bella Engelbach, and I'd like to thank Elizabeth Swan for being my guest on the edges of Lean. What did you learn from this conversation? What ideas did that spark? What are you going to draw next? We would love to hear from you. Find Elizabeth on LinkedIn or at jitcafe.com and check out her podcast, The Just-In-Time Cafe. Find me on LinkedIn or at leanforhumans.com or comment wherever you watch or listen. Subscribe and tell a friend about The Edges of Lean. Please join me in exploring more of The Edges of Lean. There's a lot to learn and check out my friends and the Lean Communicators community at leancommunicators.com. You'll find more podcasts and videos with lots of great new content every week. The Edges of Lean is written and produced by Bella Engelbach with support from Podcast Inc. This is a Lean for Humans production.